Um, anyway, so we're, we're in our series on questions that Jesus asked. And I, I just want to remind you that, that when, you start, when we start talking about things that Jesus said, please understand he never, I've, I've already said this, but he never speaks things that don't mean anything. Now, now we call those idle words, okay? So, so there are people that just run off that just run off at the mouth. Anybody know people like that? They they just run off at the mouth. You know, there's there's no rhyme or reason for anything they say. They just put their mouth in gear, their brain in neutral, and they speak. Jesus wasn't like that. Anytime Jesus said something, it meant something. And if he asked a question, it was consequential. There there was something to it. And so we've been looking at questions that Jesus asked. And uh, uh, so, so this morning, we're going to answer the question, why do you worry? How many ever worried before? I was worried you were going to do that, I'm telling you. <laughs> so, so I want to read one verse of scripture, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 27. Most of us know of this in the context of the Sermon on the Mount. Here's what Jesus said, verse 27. Which of you, by worrying, there you go, which of you, by worrying, can add one cubic to his stature. Which of you, by worrying, can add to his height, is what he's asking. May the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. Now, two weeks ago, when we uh, were in our series, I, we answered the question, um, what do you want me to do for you? And, and that was an important question, because, uh, again, Jesus stands ready to meet every need that we have. How many believe that? Uh, because it really doesn't matter, you know, what I say beyond this, if I don't believe that Jesus is there to meet my need, to help me. Now, now he, he's not the proverbial genie in the bottle that we rub the right way and get the wishes. That's not what I'm implying at all. I'm just simply saying that Jesus is an ever-present help in our times of trouble. Jesus stands ready to help us through the deep, dark valleys of life. But here's the thing. We have to be willing to declare what it is that we want him to do for us. I think sometimes we get so generalized that we don't nail it down to specifically what we want Jesus to do. I want him to change an attitude. I want him to do this or do that. So again, Jesus stands ready. Are you definitive enough to say, this is what I want done? Now this morning, we're going to look, as I said, at another question, why do you worry? And in our text this morning, it's part of the Sermon on the Mount. Now in chapter 6, I'll just tell you that Jesus mentions worry quite a bit. If you read the, the narrative there, that, that portion of, of Scripture in chapter 6, he mentions, he talks about worry a lot. And, and in fact, three, three times specifically, he says, do not worry. Now again, I would remind you that if Jesus says something once, it's important. If he says it twice, it's very important. If he says it three times, it's extremely important. So three times, one chapter, Jesus said, do not worry. How many know what he means there? Do not worry. That's what he means. Do not, do not worry. The word worry. So let's talk about that a minute. What does worry mean? Well, the word worry means inner disquiet. It's an inner disquiet. Uh, in, in other words, we might call that a disturbed spirit. How many's ever, how many know what I'm talking about? You just had unrest, an uneasiness. That, that's, that's worry. Another word would be uh, anxiety or anxious or fretting, fretting. I fret about that. Um, it can also mean to be distracted or pulled in many different directions. And that's what worry does. See, worry gets us off of our focus to where it should be onto something else. It's a peripheral thing. Everybody know what peripheral is, okay? 
It's, it's a sidebar. It's, it, it really is not the, the focus of what we're here for. It's the peripheral things that distract us. How many of you ever heard the, you know, talking about somebody, squirrel, <laughs> you know? That, that's kind of the idea. That's what worry does. Worry distracts us from keeping the main thing the main thing. Uh, so let me ask you, have you ever had a time in your life when things were so overwhelming that you could not sleep? Amen. Uh, again, it's okay to be honest because I think all of us have had times in our life where we have gone to bed. Okay, now remember one of the definitions of worry is to be disquieted. So we've all had times in our life where we've gone to bed, turned the lights out, and we've gone to sleep or tried to go to sleep, and we are disquieted in our spirit. In other words, we are restless because we are consumed with thinking about what this and that and this and that. that that's what worry does. Have you ever had a time in your life where, uh, where, where you, uh, again, you just tossed and turned and sleep never could be... Fa- Listen, do you know there's nothing more uh, aggravating than to go to sleep at a... The clock moves the slowest when you're trying to sleep. You, you ever notice that? You wake up in the middle of the night, you're worried about many things, and you look over the clock, and one minute takes five minutes, and you just watch it one minute, two, and it just forever to get to the dawn. That's what worry does. Worry consumes us. You know, we worry. Every one of us here, we've been preoccupied with problems. Um, In fact, there's some people that worry to the point where they become debilitated. They are paralyzed by worry. They can't find joy. They can't find peace. They can't find contentment. They are preoccupied with worrying about all of this stuff. But Jesus said, don't do that. Don't do that. Listen, if you have been preoccupied with things in your life, you understand the power of worry. We all worry. In fact, not only do we worry, we worry a lot, right? And, And if somebody says, don't worry... We get upset at that. Why? Because we worry. <laughs> We're consumed with it. It occupies, again, it's an emotion. God created us as emotional beings, and we worry about things. But Jesus said, don't do that. In fact, I like what Chuck Swindoll said about worry. Chuck Wendell, Swindoll <laughs> says that worry is the universal addiction. That means we all worry. And I would agree with it that we we're all consumed with worry. Worry is like uh, the old saying, worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. And how many know that to be true? You know, it's like getting on the merry-go-round, and you go round and round and round and round, and you're making motion, but you're not making progress. That's what worry does for us. Max Lucado, I've shared this story with you before, but it fits for our, our message this morning. Max Lucado tells a story about a man that decided that he was going to hire a man to do all of his worrying. Wouldn't that be good? <laughs> so he put an ad in the paper, and he found a guy that, decided, that agreed that he would worry for him for money. And so they settled on a salary of $200,000 a year for this man to worry for this other man. So the, other man, the man that agreed to the salary said, okay, for $200,000, I'll be your worrier. I'll worry about all the stuff going on in your life. He said, I just got one question. He said, where are you going to get the $200,000 a year? The man said, well, that's your worry, not mine. <laughs> you know, it, it'd be nice. It'd be nice to have somebody to worry for us, right? 
But every one of us that has worried at one time or another understand that that's not something we can pass off. How many parents, how many of us can remember parents ever, ever saying to us, don't worry about that. It'll be okay. Don't you just, doesn't it just gripe you? You find a positive penny, you know, that just always got the smile on her face and, oh, it's going to be okay and no worry and not an not a anxious bone in her body, you know, and everybody else is over here just worry warts. Just worried about this, worried about that. You know, I had not, I don't know this to be true, but I read somewhere that in the Bible it says, fear not 365 times. If you are consumed with worry, God has set it up. And I, I have no reason to doubt the sites that I looked at, but it says, fear not 365, 365 times. That's one a day. So today when you woke up, God says, fear not. And if the Lord tarries and tomorrow you wake up, he'll say, fear not. And the next day, fear not. And the next day, and the next week, and the next month, and the next year, God says, fear not. Why? Because he said, do not worry. Don't be consumed with worry. You see, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, there was a new word added to the vocabulary of mankind. Now, you've got to go back and understand when Adam and Eve, before they sinned, the Bible says God would come down in the cool of the evening and he would fellowship with them. They had communion. But when sin came, it severed that relationship. That's why we have to be born again, because God cannot look upon sin. And so when Adam and Eve, when Adam and Eve sinned, what did they do? Anybody remember? What, what did they do? They hid from God. Imagine that. They hid from God. So God comes down like he had been doing, and he looks for Adam, and he can't find Adam. And when Adam finally uh, makes him, appears, he says, God says to him, said, like, this is my paraphrase. What's going on, Adam? Why did you hide? Here's what he said. I was afraid. I was afraid. Fear entered man's spirit when sin came. Fear entered man's spirit. Fear has become a normal part of our life today. And you know what? We still battle with it. We still battle with fear. We, fear. we fear failure. We fear success. We fear death. We fear, and you can fill in the blank, whatever you want to. We fear. We are consumed with fear. It adds to that fear is part of that worry that I'm talking about. He said, don't do that. So let's unpack this a little bit, why Jesus said, do not worry. Uh, so let's look at the problem of worry. Number one, here's, a, here's why Jesus is very adamant that we should not worry. Again, not just one time, not just two, but three times he says, do not worry. Why? Number one, worry robs us of our joy. How many understand the joy of the Lord is our strength? If I'm consumed with worry, it eats away at my joy. In fact, Paul writes in Romans 15, 13, I love what he said here. He said, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you what? Trust in him. There you go. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with, the hope, by the, with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, God wants to fill us with joy and peace so that you and I can walk in confidence and trust him, but my worry robs me of that joy. It robs me of that peace. People oftentimes ask me about how, how do you handle Sheila? How do you take care of, you know, you having to take care of your wife? How do you, how do, you do that? Well, the answer is I trust him. 
You know, how do you, how do you handle watching her body continue to atrophy? Her body is drawing itself up to where she can't, she, you know, again, barring God's miracle within probably a few months, she'll be totally bedridden. Her body keeps drawing itself up because she can't use it. How do, how do you cope with that? How do you deal with that? Well, very simply, God's hope and joy has filled my heart. And as a byproduct of that, I have peace that surpasses understanding. See, that's what God wants for us. And when I'm, when I'm worried about things, when I'm so consumed with worry, it robs me of that joy. It robs me of that peace and that confidence. God wants to fill us with that. See, when we're worried, we are preoccupied with the what-ifs of life. Well, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if this happens? Anybody play that game? What if? I like what Corey Ten Boone said one time. She said, worrying does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. That's powerful. My worry does not take away, it doesn't, it doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow because guess what? I'm going to wake up in the morning and I still got stuff to deal with. What it's doing, it's robbing me of my strength today to deal with the task that I have to deal with. So worry, number one, robs us of joy. Number two, worry makes us unproductive. It makes us unproductive. I like what Psalm 127 verse 2 says, in vain you rise early and stay up late. Toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. <clears throat> now, what is he saying? He's saying, you know what? Those people who worry, and what he does, he tries to paint a picture of someone who is worried about all kinds of things. They are consumed with worry. They're worried about the basics of life to the point where they spend all day working and all night worrying. And notice how he says it. He says, it is vain. It is in vain that you're consumed with worry. It is in vain that you're so preoccupied with all of these things. It does you no good. It doesn't accomplish anything. See, God wants to take away our worries. He wants to fill us with peace and joy and confidence. Number three, worry shows a lack of trust. You ever thought about that? Worry shows a lack of trust. I, one of my favorite scriptures of all time, Isaiah 26, 3, it simply says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is steadfast on you. Why? Because he trusts in you. Do you see the correlation there? He, not me, he will keep me in perfect peace. Why? Because I trust him. My mind, see, notice the, the, again the correlation there, whose mind is stayed, that's focus. That's focus. He said, God will keep me in perfect peace when I'm focused on him because I trust him. That, that's the answer right there. That is the answer. That is, that is what helps me to get through the struggles of life, the disappointments of life, is that I keep my mind fixed on him. Because listen, when we got saved, God made some promises to us. And then he said, heaven and earth will pass before all of this is fulfilled. Or not, heaven and earth will not pass away until all be fulfilled. Let me get that right. He's made some promises to us. And if, we, if, and if, one, and one, if one promise of God falters, you can't count on any of it. So again, Isaiah picks up and he says, look, if you want to contend with worrying, if you want, to, you want to get rid of worrying in your life, number one, keep your focus where it needs to be on God. Okay? If you're focused on him, he will keep you in perfect peace. Why? Because you trust him. 
I don't know what tomorrow holds for my wife, but I trust God. I trust him. For 12, almost 12 years now, through her illness, I've trusted God. And, and again, that's how we do it. So let me, let's, talk about, uh, let's talk about some of the statistics on worship. Uh, worship, man, wor- worry. <laughs> See, I was worried about I was going to mess up this morning. <laughs> 40, 40% of what we worry about never comes to pass. 40% of what we worry about never comes to pass. 30% of what we worry about happened yesterday in the past, and you can't change it. How many people lose joy today because they're worried about what happened yesterday? Can't change it. 30% of what we worry about happened in the past. We cannot change it. 10% of what we worry about relates to our health. Now, here's the irony of that. Research has shown worrying does not help your health. <laughs> it actually makes things worse. So don't be, listen, I'm not, I'm not minimizing anything that anybody's going through, okay? Please don't read between the lines. I'm not minimizing your prognosis from your doctor. I'm not minimizing the financial challenge that you're in right now. I'm not minimizing the wayward son or daughter that's abandoned faith. I'm not minimizing any of that. I'm simply saying we've got to learn to put our perspective in the right spot. 8% of what we worry about is legitimate. But even then, worrying doesn't change anything. See, Jesus understands that worry is that universal human struggle. And so he's emphatic when he says, do not worry. Do not worry. Jesus specifically says that we should not worry, be worried about our life. And it's interesting because I think he's hinting at uh, the major areas in which we worry. Um, at, at the end of the day, my it, think about it. At the end of the day, it's my worries, it's my anxieties, it's all about me, Right? It's all about me. It's my world, my desires, my longings. You see, worry is me-centered. It's me-centered. It's, it's all about me. That's why it's unhealthy for one of the reasons it's unhealthy. See, worry, Jesus, the worry Jesus speaks about knows nothing of self-sacrifice. It knows nothing of humility. It knows nothing of laying one down one's rights for the good of others. It knows nothing of that. Our worry, listen, our worry does not make, will not make the long go through. Our worry will not make our marriage better. You got to do more than worry about your marriage. Our, wor- our worry won't make our marriage better. Our worry won't get rid of cancer. Our worry will not pay the bills. Jesus wants us to understand worrying is useless. It takes energy, it takes your time, it makes your life miserable, so do not worry. Okay, so what's the solution then? That's the problem of it. It robs us of joy. You know, it gets our minds off, off the things that it should be on. So what's the solution? Well, in our text, Jesus asked the question. And my paraphrase would be like this. Does your worrying change anything about your life? Anybody here can tell me that my, I worried about something and it totally changed my life? <laughs> I don't know of anybody that's ever worried themselves better or worried the situation that improved. So Jesus asked that question. Does worrying change anything about your life? And then he answers it. I didn't read it, but down in verse 34, Jesus gives the conclusion of that. And here's what he concludes. Therefore, remember, any time in Scripture where you see therefore, you got to go back and find what it's there for. Okay? So therefore, because you shouldn't worry about this, 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 and this, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Why? For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day 
has enough trouble of its own. <coughs> In other words, he's saying don't borrow tomorrow's trouble and deal with it today. You got enough on your plate today to worry about or to take care of, so don't steal from tomorrow and put it on. Soren Kierkegaard, he calls this the next day syndrome. He said, we got so many people that live in the next day syndrome. You ever thought about that? Are you living in the next day syndrome? You're not worried about today. Do, do you realize that we, we don't have a promise of tomorrow? Not one of us. Not one person here has a promise of tomorrow. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time because none of it. The only promise we have in scripture is, is Hebrews 9.27 that says it is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. That's a promise. We die, we stand before God. That's a promise. I'm not promised this evening. I'm not promised tomorrow. What he's saying is that, you know what? Today has enough for you to contend with. Today has enough for you to deal with. So don't steal from tomorrow. Don't borrow from tomorrow all of the troubles and worries of that day. Take care of today. It's the next day. See, if we free ourselves of worrying about whatever troubles the next day holds and address what's going on today, we wouldn't be so overwhelmed. We would not be so overwhelmed. See, we, we live in the present rather than an uncertain future. Easier said than done, right? It's a whole lot easier said than done. These are the top four things people worry about. Relationships, work, finances, and what's the fourth one? Health. These are the top four things that people worry about. If you're married, you worry about your spouse. If you're single, you worry about finding a spouse. Talk to somebody who's, no, I'm just not going there. <laughs> if, if, if you're a parent, you worry about your children. Isn't that true? And here's what I've learned. It doesn't, I, it doesn't matter how old my children are. I still worry about both mine. I still worry about both my children. You never stop. You, ne you never stop thinking about caring for your children. So we worry. We worry about work. We worry about our finances a lot. I mean, again, it doesn't matter, rich or poor. You worry, will I have enough? You know, 30 years ago when I came to Bethel, I wasn't so much thinking about the end of my life. But now 30 years later, I'm thinking, man, you know, anybody do that? We worry a lot about a lot of stuff. We we, we, it takes a lot of energy, a lot of our health. Je Jesus said, don't worry about your physical needs. Didn't you notice in, in, in chapter 6, I'm not going to go through it, but he, he said, don't worry about your physical needs. Why? He said, because you have a heavenly father who cares for you. That's it. In fact, Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. You ever thought about that? I, lo I love that. And I love birds. I'm fascinated. So my granddaughters and I, every once in a while, we'll sit down and watch these funny animal videos. And we'll flip it on and they're parrots that really do some funny stuff. And I'll sit there and just crack up. I, God's done a marvelous job with creation. Birds, the, the colors of birds, the feathers, their mannerisms, their, 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 their singing. Uh, you know, Jesus said, look at the birds. You know, you know what he means by that? There is no yesterday to a bird. And there is no tomorrow for a bird. There's today. That, that, that's what he's trying to get us to understand. See, we worry about what's happening tomorrow or we worried about what's happened in the past. Jesus said, look at the birds. 
The birds, I love the birds sing. What's that old song? I sing because I'm happy. Those birds are singing because God is taking care of them in the moment. There's not a yesterday and there's not a tomorrow. There's just today. And in fact, you can take, break that down and there's just the moment. <coughs> they, don't have, they don't even know what's going to go on the rest of the day. I mean, they, pardon me for saying this, but I mean, they could fly right out in front of a car and boom, they're gone. That, that's the point. Here today, gone tomorrow. They live for the moment. Look at the birds of the field. Look at the birds of the air. They're happy. They're content. They're singing. Why? Because they're living in the moment. Jesus said, look at the birds. And then he goes on and he says this, look at the flowers of the field. His point is, we have a heavenly father who takes care of us. And if he's promised to take care of us, why in the world would we worry about superficial things? I'm not saying that it's that having sustenance and shelter, that's not, that's, not, uh, su that's not superficial things. That's reality. But he said, you know what? God will take care of you. Look at the, look at the, the lilies of the field. I love this. To me, I, I told this, said this in early service. To me, there is nothing more beautiful to me than driving through parts of Texas in the spring and seeing blue bonnets with Indian paintbrushes. Some of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. I've been over around Ennis during that time a few, on a few occasions, and you see fields of blue bonnets. It looks like the ocean. And then you have the, the Indian paintbrushes, and it's just, it's just breathtaking. And I think, wow, you did good, God. <laughs> and, but here's the thing about that. While they might be actively beautiful at that moment, at any moment, a fire could come through, um, you know, some other disaster come through and, and rip every one of them out of the ground or burn them up. And yet Jesus said, look at the lilies. <laughs> Not even Solomon in all of his splendor could even be adorned like one of them. Aren't you much more valuable than that? You know what he's doing there? Jesus is using what they call uh, lesser to greater arguments. The lesser being the birds of the air and the, gra and the grass of the field or the lilies of the valley, they're less. He said, if your heavenly father cares enough for them to take care of them moment by moment by moment, how much more will God take care of you who are immensely more valuable than they? That's the point. Why worry when God has promised to take care of us? How I many you know that's hard not to worry, though? When it, it's, it's like me when I preached a few weeks ago about why do bad things happen to good people. I, I, uh, it, it's easy for me to believe for your miracle. It's easy for me to believe for your healing, for God to come through for you. But you know what? When it comes to me, it's very difficult for me to believe for me. It's hard. I think most people here would have that same experience. It's really hard. You know, I tell people all the time, I remind them of all the people that God wants you to love, he wants you to love you. He does. So, so you, you say, Pastor, I can believe this on, the, on the, the larger scope that God wants to take care of us. No, he wants to take care of you. Where you are right now, what crisis you're dealing with, God wants to take care of you. He doesn't want you to worry about it. He wants you to trust him. He will keep you in perfect peace if you're focused on him. Why? 
Because you, tr- you trust him. You trust him. Worry is counter. It, so, so how do we counter the negativity of worrying? See, I want you to understand, worry is negative, okay? It's negative energy. It consumes. It doesn't give anything. <clears throat> it's like, a, a, again, I said this in early service this morning. There, uh, the devil always, so, so if you go to somebody and say, hey, would you like to become a Christian? I've heard, it, I've heard it a million times. People say, well, you know, a bunch anyway. The hesitation is this. Well, if I become a Christian, then I can't do this. Everybody know what I'm talking about? I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't go here. I can't. It's can'ts. It's the negative. You see, the enemy, all he wants us to do is focus on the negative. He never lets us see what we gain. That's what Paul said, I count everything as loss, dung, for the surpassing greatness of God. You see, that's what worry does. Worry keeps us centered on what's wrong, and it doesn't let us see what's right. That's why Jesus said over and over and over again, do not worry. Do not worry. Trust me. So how do I combat those emotions? Well, number one, I've got to fill myself with faith field thoughts how do i counter that well number one i got to recognize that god's presence is always with me that's powerful there's not a place you can go where god's arm cannot reach and his ears not attuned to your cry not in place i know we all know this from a theoretical perspective In our heads, we can recall scriptures that tell us that he is an ever-present help and that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. But what about in our daily life? God forbid we get to work tomorrow and some tragedy has befallen us or or something like that. We we know it intellectually right now and we can quote scripture and, and all of that stuff, but what about when the rubber meets the road in our daily life? A lot of people, even believers today, want, many believers live their life as though they're living right here and God is somewhere way over there. That's not the God of the Bible. That's not the God of our salvation. If that's the way you live your life, no wonder you're, you're on edge and concerned and worried. The Bible says again and again and again and again that God is with you right here, right now. I love what God said to Moses in Exodus chapter 33, verse 14. He said, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. That's powerful. You need to ha- hang on to that. A few weeks back, I prayed a prayer at the end of this service. One of the things I said at the, in that particular prayer of dismissal, I said, may we sleep soundly in him. And somebody mentioned later to me that they had not been resting well. And after praying that prayer, they slept like a baby. Uh, again, not my prayer. I'm not, I'm not implying that. I'm simply saying God's available to us. His presence is with us. He's with us always, even to the very end. When we're tempted to worry, remind yourself that God is with me. God is with me. He's not over yonder waiting, not in the distance. He's right here. And I think sometimes throughout the day, maybe just pause for a moment and say, God, thank you for being with me. Thank you for being with me. I welcome your presence you know, if you're going into a very tense situation, pause for a moment and say, Lord, I welcome you into my situation. I invite you into my drama, my chaos. Good habit to get into. Amen. Paul writing in Romans, I love what he, he asked this question in Romans chapter 8. 
Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? That, read that. If you haven't read that in a long time, go read it. Because when we're prone to worry, we forget that we're, we're beloved of God. I'm His. I'm His. He's written my name on the palm of His hand, and there's not a devil big enough that can take it out. And when I'm prone to worry, I just need to remind myself, who can separate me from His love? And he gives some examples. And he goes through this litany of things and says, well, this can't do it, and this can't do it, and this can't do it, and this can't do it. And then he gets down and he says, for I'm persuaded. <coughs> there it is. I'm persuaded. Are you persuaded this morning? Are you persuaded that God is for you? <coughs> Pardon me. Are you persuaded that nothing can separate you from God's love? I love that. Again, he goes through a list of things. And then he says, he said, nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What can separate me from God? Nothing. Absolutely nothing or no one. Are you persuaded of that? See, there, there's the, the hitch. Are you confident? Are you persuaded this morning? That God's on your side, or you're better yet, you're on God's side. See, recognize His presence. Recognize that He's with you all the time, and He's here to stay. I know there are people that come in in our, our lives. Some people come to stay. You know, some people come for seasons. Some people come for lessons, and well, I don't know. There's a thing about that. I, I don't remember what it is now. Some people bless you when they come. Some bless when they go. I don't know what that is, but <laughs> He comes to stay. Another thing Let's talk about God's purpose. i got just a few minutes. Do you know there's no such thing as random? There's no such thing as random. Paul said in verse, uh, Romans 8, 28, And we know that all things, everybody say all things. Does that include unpleasant things? Does that include things we would rather not happen? Yeah, and we know all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. His purpose. See, when we give our life to Jesus, he's the master potter. And he begins to mold and make us into his masterful design. He directs the details of our life as he wants them to be. He tries to work on us to become the person he created us to be. If you don't get anything else I say, please understand, God is working on you today. No matter how difficult things are right now, he's working on you. He's working to, build, to take us to a place that brings us the most joy and gives him the most glory. That's his job. That's his job. I mean, listen, uh, you go through the Bible, people like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David and Gideon, Peter and Paul and John and so many others, they had their setbacks and they had their failures. But you know what? God specializes in taking the outcasts and the rejects. And he keeps working on them to make the masterpiece. So I don't need to worry about it because God's got a plan. And even when I intentionally step away from the perfect will of God, he will use his grace. You know, it's like a, it's, it's, it's like a cowboy that goes out to, to round up the cattle. And they'll run and they're, they're, they'll, they'll bring them back to the, to the herd. They're, they're, they're herding them. That's what God does. Number three, I'm going to close. Another thing to do is look at it from God's perspective. You know what? Learn to see the big picture. 
How many know there's a big picture? There's a big picture. See, worry happens when we live as if this moment is all there is to it. There's something greater going on. The Bible says God knows the beginning from the end. He's got it all mapped out. In fact, the, the, the psalmist said, my days are numbered by him. He already knows. He already knows. And so if he already knows what tomorrow holds, why wouldn't I be trusting today? If he already knows what's going on next week, why wouldn't I be trusting today? See, that's why he said, don't worry. Again, I love what, that, that means even the difficult days he's got a handle on, okay? I don't have to be consumed with worry because God's got big plans. I look at Sheila sometimes and I wonder, God, what is your plans with, with us? I, I don't know. I mean, if I was God, I'd, how, many, how many know what I'm talking about? If I was God, I'd do things different. Anybody else here do the same? I'd do things different, but I'm not. And so I say, God, let me trust you for your plan. I trust you. So you know what? I don't have to be consumed with worry. I don't have to be overwhelmed. I, uh, I, I want to close. Guys, come on back as I wrap this up. If you want to eliminate a significant portion of worry in your life, learn to see your problems in a trivial light. And I don't mean they're trivial problems. I'm just simply saying in light of God's magnitude and greatness, our problems are nothing. I believe one, with, one moment, with one breath, God could instantly change every circumstance in the building today. I believe every financial need could be met just like that. I believe every health, every afflicted body could be changed just like that. Every mental anguish that's going on right now, God can heal. What did he came, come to do? Luke chapter 4 says he came to bind up the wounded, the brokenhearted, to heal, to set at liberty them who are captive. That's what he came to do. And if I'm worried, I don't, have a, I don't listen to that voice where I can respond to what he says. Are you worried this morning? Why do you worry? When you go out today, look up and see the bird who only lives for right now, has no promise of tomorrow, doesn't think anything about yesterday, only lives right now. You look at the, the, the flowers of the field. I had flowers set out in my pot. I, I went to a minimalist landscape. I ripped up all of my hedges and put pots out. They fried. <laughs> they were here today and they were gone tomorrow. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's, how we, that's how we have to do it. They were pretty yesterday and they're dead today. But I trust. <laughs> there was a point there. <laughs> <laughs> why, why do you worry when God's got you in the palm of his hand? Amen. Do not worry about your life. Your heavenly Father knows you have need of all these things. Amen. Verse 33, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his right. See, there's the focus. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well.
See, that's the answer right there. That's the antidote to worry is to seek him. You will keep me in perfect peace when I'm focused on you because I trust you. Would you stand with me this morning? I didn't tell you that some of these questions would be very pointed. They would be, <laughs> they'll dig down. But if we are, if we are debilitated by worry, how can, I, how can I be of kingdom value? in these days in which we live. Our assignment is to still go into all the world and preach the gospel. Our assignment is still, you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. That means locally. We start locally. If I'm consumed with worry, I can't do kingdom work outside because I'm worried about all these things. So here in just a moment, we're going to sing. And why don't we sing? And I, again, you know my stance on this. I, the altar is where things are altered. You go back through the Old Testament, every time they made an offering to the Lord, something happened. I, I know God can touch us at our seat. God can minister to us at our seat. But I think we need to get in the habit of taking things to the altar. It was there that those things died. They, they sacrificed those things I think today would be an appropriate day if you're consumed with worry about things that you bring that worry and you lay it here and say, God, I'm done with worry. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. Listen, and it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy because human nature is what it is. And we're consumed with worry, but I promise you, if you'll learn to give it over to God, there'll be a peace that surpasses understanding. So why don't we sing this morning, if you're here today, and say, you know what, Pastor, I, I, you, you, you nailed me today. I, I, I'm worried. I'm worried about a lot of stuff, a lot of things. I'm worried about my marriage. I'm worried about my job. I'm worried about my finances. I'm worried about my health. I'm worried about my children, my grandchildren. I'm worried about the country. I'm worried about everything you can imagine we're worried about. Jesus said three times in chapter 6, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. So what do I do instead of worry? I pray. I pray. So while they sing, if you're here today, and I'm going to ask our prayer team if you, if you join them when they when they come down, somebody comes down, somebody come pray with them because your brothers and sisters here in the Lord. So as they sing, would you come this morning and say, you know what, I'm going to lay my worry down. I got a bad report from the doctor, but I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to trust God. Bad report from the finance company, I'm going to trust God. Would you do it this morning? I just want to speak Jesus over every heart and every mind because I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus dark addiction starts to break declaring there is hope and there is freedom oh I speak Jesus your name is power your name is healing your name 
Jesus in the streets, and Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, and Jesus for my family, I speak that holy name. something this morning before we dismiss and we have uh, as I said we have school getting ready to take place kids going back to school we also have kids that will be moving off to college and and uh, I know that can be very nerve-wracking for parents uh, for them to go off when my son went off to the military that worried mom and dad when my daughter went off to college it worried mom and dad even though she's just 45 minutes down the road. <laughs> just something about it. And so I'm sorry to put families on, on, on uh, the, the, the limelight or the spotlight, but if, you're, if your kid's going off to college, would you as a family come and let us pray over you? I wasn't going to do that, but, but I'm going to do it anyway. You could be mad at me for the next semester. It'll be all right. But if you're a family here this morning and you have a child that's going off to college, I want you to come and let us pray for you this morning. That's tough. It's tough to see kids grow up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? My, my daughter went off to Sagu there in Waxahachie, and I remember when we dropped her off, she had my, I don't know if my son was with us, that, I don't remember that day, but I do remember her roommate was from Argentina. She was a missionary kid. And so we're there saying bye in the, in, the, in the common area. I'm crying, she's crying. And this missionary mom looks over at me and says, now how far away do you live? <laughs> and <laughs> I'm like, well, it's, it's different because this means something different. This is a change. 
And so I'm going to ask some of our families, if you'll come, you see those who are here, I'm going to ask if, if, if some of our families that are out here, would you come and stand with these and let's pray for them as, they're, as, they're, as their kids go off. They're our kids as well. They're our children as well. Let's pray for them. Would you stretch your hand towards them this morning? Father, today we thank you that the antidote to worry is to keep our focus on you. And Father, I pray for these families today. I pray for these students. Lord, as they head off to college, Lord, it, it, it's a change. I pray for families. I pray for moms and dads. I pray, Father, you would uphold them. They have served and they have done well and they've raised them, brought them this far. And I pray, Father, they have confidence that that relationship that they demonstrated, that relationship that they've taught about, with, about having that relationship with you, Lord, it's good seed, it's fertile seed, it was planted in their hearts. So I pray that you will help mom, help dad. Lord, that you would remove any worry and anxiety that they might have as far as their child leaving home and going off to school. And Father, we pray for the students this morning. We pray, Father, that they recognize that they are going into a difficult world. But, Father, that faith that is within, that measure of faith that's been granted by you, it's strong enough to live in the darkest of darks. And so, Father, I pray that you would send them out. Lord, we send them out, Lord, as lights and as ambassadors on the campuses that they are going. Father, we pray that you go ahead of them, make that crooked way straight, and we bless them. We bless their studies and their activities. May they shine as a beacon of grace and of your righteousness in a dark world. Father, I thank you that we no longer have to be consumed with worry, but that we can trust you in all things. Give them safe travel. Give them a safe semester. Lord, and may they shine righteously wherever they go. Now, Father, I pray a blessing upon this church and upon each body here. I pray, Father, that you would help us to shine brightly in a dark world in which we live. And may we not be overwhelmed with worry. Do not worry about things because you've got our back. You've got us squared away and you're taking care of us. Father, go with us today. Give us a great day. May we rest tonight soundly in you. I love and bless each one in the mighty name of Jesus. And we all said, amen, amen. Come on, praise the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you for being with us online. I look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you. I love you.